0: You're listening to the Deepening Your Practice podcast with George Haas. Deepening Your Practice is recorded at the Against This Dream Buddhist Meditation Society in Los Angeles, California. For more information, visit our website at www.metagroup.org. That's p.org. So welcome everybody. This is Deepening Your Practice. Deepening Your Practice is intended as an intermediate or advanced class and what that means is that I'm not going to be giving basic meditation instruction. I expect you already to know that. That being said, if you find that I'm talking about something and you don't understand what I'm talking about, uh, please feel free to ask whatever questions you want. I'm very happy to answer any questions, just not going to be covering the basics. there was a big fire in Oakland. Um, I don't know whether that's affected anyone here directly, but if it has, i certainly wanted to make a little bit of space for it. No? Okay. Um, we've been uh, talking about the Manual of Insight, which is the new translation of the Mahasi Sedao text on how to do Karnaka Samadhi. Karnika Samadhi is a a Pali term that means momentary concentration meditation or uh, noting meditation. Sometimes people refer to it too. So in momentary concentration meditation you uh, allow your attention to be drawn to whatever is interesting. Uh, when you get there, you know where your attention is, and then you soak into the sensing experience of it. So it's these moments of concentration. This is, was in quite a bit of contrast to the, the dominant way of meditating at the time when this teaching was offered, which was a, a one pointed meditation. So you developed access concentration, then jhana, and then you went into. Vipassana meditation from that one-pointedness. The argument or the, the, the uh, case that uh, Mahasi and, and people who use this kind of technique was that momentary concentration will develop the same level of uh, concentration, an equivalent level of concentration that the one-pointedness does. Uh, and uh, in our culture now, um, um, It is uh, ordinary for people to describe this style of meditation because it so permeated our culture. But it it was quite a a radical idea when it was uh, originally uh, offered. This was going to be in the mid-20th century. Uh, Mahasi died in the the mid-80s. So, you will notice in Western meditation circles some people do an open awareness practice and some people do this noting practice <clears throat> and there tends to be a, sort of a separation between the two groups because the open awareness people think that the, the noting technique is too effortful and too busy and, and the, uh, the noting people think that the open awareness is too spacey and too loose. And, and so really, without having a preference for these, exploring uh, what kind of effect you get from the, the different types of meditation or learn more than one type of meditation is a way of going. <clears throat> but then you're into the discussions of things that are much the same as um, what they might be. Either way, <clears throat> the traditional aspects of uh, um, <clears throat> practice. We've been talking uh, about the hindrances uh, which is in the chapter on purification of mind. So in some sense what the term uh, purification of mind means is that there are no hindrances in the moment of noting. This is different than in a one-pointed approach. In a one-pointed meditation approach, the mind is pure when there's continuously no hindrances present. <clears throat> so it's a much different way of structuring practice and being in practice. In, in uh, momentary concentration practice, you're looking for the purification of mind in the moment of noting. But if in the spaces between the moment of noting, the hindrances come in, Uh, there's less concern about that as you uh, develop the capacity for this momentary concentration you begin to string them together and then that level of concentration where the mind is free of hindrances begins to fill in those spaces as well, but the momentary noting is really where the focus is initially on having that purification of mind, so the absence of hindrances Um, you're all aware of the five basic hindrances craving mind, an aversive mind a mind that's filled with sloth and torpor, a mind that's filled with restlessness and agitation a mind that's filled with doubt yes and you're aware of of what those mind states are like so that you you know that also what the mind is when it's free of those, when it's in a state of uh, equanimity or from the Satipatthana, that the four quality of mind, the four qualities of mind are present: uh, uh, ardency, which is actually I like to think of as energy. That there's not too much energy in the mind, so that it's agitated. There's not too little energy in the mind, so that it's tired. That it's a in a balanced amount of energy, so you're present but not agitated. Um, Sensory clarity, that you're aware of what the object of meditation is, that you're focusing on in a good enough way. You don't have to note every tiny little thing, just good enough to know where your attention is. You're mindful so that your attention is continuously in the present moment and also you're concentrated, so that you have enough concentration to move from notation to notation without getting pulled away into thinking. Um, Having described the different um, uh, hindrances, now uh, we get to the place in the chapter where the um, the called helpful contemplations to dispel hindrances. Apply a specific antidote. This first set of helpful, helpful contemplations is suitable for knowledgeable persons and those proficient in tranquility meditation. So, tranquility meditation is a term that refers to concentration-first practice. So that first you develop concentration, and then from a concentrated mind you go into um, vipassana or insight practice. Um, This is (coughs) um, different than um, insight-first practice. To overcome sexual desire, develop contemplation on the loathsomeness of the human body. <laughs> I've always loved that one. To overcome sexual desire, develop contemplation on the loathsomeness of the human body. Um, have you. Has anybody. <laughs> this gets much easier as you get older. <laughs> When you're young and cute, it seems <laughs> much more compelling, believe me. Um, <clears throat> have, you, have you ever done body parts meditation? Is it the 27 or 37 different parts of the body? The sinew, the feces, the pus, all of that stuff. So you go through this series of, of meditations on uh, the different... Um, Let's see if they have a a copy of the Satyatthana here. We can pull it from there. (coughs) Maybe we can do it tonight. It's a (laughs) great meditation. So, skin, meat, bones is another way of thinking about that. Is the, does sexual desire arise from the idea of the beautiful body, the erotic body? And when you contemplate the digestive system, does that same level of erotic intensity arise? That's the idea. To overcome attachment to material objects, arouse understanding of impermanence by considering that objects are ownerless and temporary. So, um, you're practicing, the mind is pure, as you note in between each of the notings there's a space, maybe one of the hindrances comes in, one of the thoughts comes in, some sensation arises. And believe it or not, you make a decision to pay attention to that. It may happen so quickly that you're not aware, but you're actually making a, a decision to focus on that. And then your attention is, is removed. If you were to uh, make if you make a decision to go into the content of the thought, then you've lost the meditation and you're thinking, right? But if you notice that that sensory experience is coming up and the content of it, but instead you notice it, note it as a sensing experience, then you don't tend to get pulled into it and you stay in the the, the practice of meditation. Does that make any sense? We all get caught up in thinking and we wonder uh, how it happens, but what happens is that it's arising and we see it and we go into the content instead of watching it as a sensing experience. And that may arise because uh, we're we're bored and we're craving entertainment and so an entertaining thought arises and rather than noticing it as a, a sensing experience, we make the decision to explore the content of it. So in the description that he gave, which was to then come back to the moment before so that you can begin to see that actually you are deciding to go into the thinking process away from the meditation process and that there's going to be an impurity in in the moment that that happens that drives you into it so that you can maintain the purity of mind. Is that making sense? It's, a, it's such an interesting thing because we 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 so often have the experience of getting caught up in thinking, but we don't really have the presence of the moment that happens and understand that in that moment of mindlessness, that moment of not really paying attention, we make a decision to go into the content because of some underlying impurity in the mind, then so we need to back up and see what that is that we're actually doing. maybe the experience is arising, and we don't want it, and so we then intentionally focus on something else that, that we think will be relieving of the aversion. Or, you know, I mean, um, and you know, this is a lustful thought. So often, where um, it's the fourth day of retreat and it's the third hour in the afternoon of meditation, and my mind just goes, you know, stereoscopic into uh, eros, and there, it seems like there's nothing that can shut it down. Everybody went on (laughs) retreats. And then you're noticing that actually the body is in pain because you've been sitting so much and you're not used to sitting and you want to get out of that that experience of pain. That's typically what it is for me. And then you come back and attempt again to go into equanimity with the sensations and not need to escape from them. If you can find equanimity, of course, then the mind just goes quiet and you're able to So let's do some practice. Um, We'll start with a a little bit of metta to concentrate the mind, and then we'll go into a a, a see here field meditation. The see here, feel meditation is basically an exploration of um, Nama Nama Rupa, the the first foundation. We're looking for um, an awareness of the sensing experience and that we understand that differently than the knowing what that sensing experience is. So we let our attention be drawn, if it's an aspect of visual experience, (coughs) well that would be exterior sight most of the time when we do vipassana meditation we do it eyes closed but if you've noticed that you're getting sleepy the first thing to do to add more energy to the practice is to open the eyes so sometimes you could be practicing with eyes open watching the exterior sight space internal uh, visual experience most people have a mental screen where they <laughs> experience uh, imagery associated with thinking me- memory planning fantasy We have an outline of the body in visual thinking, how we know where the body is positioned. Most people uh, have a sort of a rapid scan of the body in visual thinking, so we know how the body is positioned. Some people report a dark center with a glowy edge. We have the body's location in the current environment, so if you were to open your eyes and close them, you'll notice that there's an after image. Most people, it's looking out. (laughs) but some people do have a sense of being outside of the body looking at it in the environment. Um, you'll have an image reaction to local sensation in the body, so you notice a sensation, a sensation, a sensation in the body and, um, and then there's a visual response to that. So if you think of your left foot, you can sense what the physical experience of the left foot is and then uh, uh, mostly with eyes closed, see the layout of the left foot and then the image reaction to exterior sound that would be something that happens any of those things happen note them that is to say, know that that's an aspect of visual experience and then soak in and see if you can detect the actual sen- what the actual sensing is like in auditory experience, so exterior sound and internal auditory thinking, the clear talk of the mind If your attention is drawn there, know that that's where your attention is, the mental aspect, and then soak in and see if you can detect what the actual sensing experience is like. If you're in the body, um, the effects of gravity, of temperature, of respiration, of circulation, of digestion, or any emotional experience in the body, know that you're in the body, and then soak in and... and, uh, Feel into the the actual sensing experience of that. Noting and labeling. So noting is the knowing and the soaking in. Labeling is where you actually create a word in the mind that supports where your attention is. And in in householder practice, it's useful to label because it's kind of like a turbocharging of concentration. So if your attention is drawn to... Uh, visual experience know that you're in visual experience soak into the sensing of it and then create the auditory label see if your attention is drawn to auditory experience know that that's where it is soak into the sensing experience and then then generate the word here in auditory internal auditory thinking space no need to label the labeling if your attention is drawn into the body, know that that's where your attention is. Soak into the sensing experience of it and generate the word feel in auditory thinking space. That instruction clear? And then we'll begin with a little bit of metta and I'll give that instruction as we go <coughs> with some metta practice, so there's no need to hold the posture still, you want to be in a relaxed and comfortable position, it's okay to move, but it's still a formal period of practice, so you don't want to allow yourself to get pulled away into thinking, you want to be able to stay with the objects of meditation. Always a good idea to do a quick inventory of the body as part of the settling in process, so starting at the top of the head, relax the scalp, the brow, the eyes the face let the jaw go slack relaxing the tongue straighten the spine balancing the head relax the shoulders just let the arms hang down arranging the hands comfortably arrange the legs comfortably just let the breath go in and out as it will no effort to control it And just take a moment to expand and contract with the breath. So we'll do some metta practice for self. So here we make the intention to radiate loving-kindness to ourselves. We focus on the mind state of of metta or the mind state of loving-kindness. The mind state of metta is always cool, it's always calm, it's always kind. When we say cool, we mean there's an absence of craving or sense pleasure, there's an absence of anger, the heat of anger, the heat of sense pleasure. When we say calm, we mean there's an absence of restlessness and agitation, an absence of sloth and torpor. And it's a kind mind, so it's like a filter on experience. Usually you can detect the mind state uh, located as a sensation. So exploring where the mind state might be, most people find it inside the head. What is the quality of that? sometimes when you begin to practice for yourself it's hard to find the mind state so that if you are aware of someone that you know that when you think of them the mind state of loving kindness comes with them it's okay to think of them establish the mind state of met, and then switch to practicing for yourself as the mind state falls away bring back to mind the person it's easy to find it with uh, reestablish it and then again switch to yourself And then the last part of practice is to continuously repeat the metaphrase. The one that I'm recommending you use is, May I be peaceful, 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 may I be peaceful. So again, pay attention. If uh, Are you able to stay with the object of meditation, the mind state of metta? Are you able to continuously repeat the phrases? Or does the mind go off into thinking? So that would be the hindrances arising and pulling you out of the meditation. Paying attention to which hindrance it is, seeing if you can see the root of it, when you made the decision to go off into thinking rather than stay with the meditation and then come back into the meditation re-establish your intention to radiate metta to yourself re-establish awareness of the object of meditation the mind state of metta and then continuously repeat your phrases Sometimes the phrases become robotic, so you also want to be engaged there. Uh, But the object of meditation is the mind-state. So you don't want to focus on the repetition of the phrases, you just want to be generating them in the background. May I be peaceful, may I be peaceful, may I be peaceful, may I be peaceful, may I be peaceful. May I be peaceful, 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 may I be peaceful. May I be peaceful? May I be peaceful? So, let go of the meta practice and we'll begin some insight practice. <clears throat> You're going to want to still the body, not allow it to move. We do this for a couple of reasons. One is that the body tends to just adjust itself every time it becomes uncomfortable. <clears throat> and to prevent that from happening, we have to stay in the present moment so to veto the movement and that has the effect of reinforcing our awareness of the present moment. So in making the intention not to move, we reinforce our present moment awareness. And also, often we're dealing with subtle sensations in the body which can be obscured by the constant movement. So let your attention be drawn to whatever is interesting. When it arises and your attention goes there, note what it is soak in and having and have the sensing experience of it, and then create a, a label see here or field depending on where your attention is. I'll do a, a little out loud. See here, here. feel if more than one sensory experience arises in any given moment just choose one to focus on it doesn't matter which one If you're comfortable uh, where you are with the technique, stay there. If you'd like to uh, add another dimension to it, this is in some sense an exploration of the second uh, stage, which is investigating the conditionality, the interactivity of it. more than one sense gate is active at the same time, you can note uh, the paired activa- activation. If all three are active at once, you can note all three. So single activation, see, here, feel, paired activation, see, feel, see, here, hear, feel. All, if all of them are active. I'll do a little out loud. All here. Here feel. Here feel. all. See, feel. Oh, you get the idea. So this part is paying attention to where the sensing experience is in the moment and then where your attention goes in the next moment. Can you notice the conditionality of it? One sensing experience leading into the next, into the next. So how easy is it for you to stay in the meditation? Are you noticing that the mind's getting pulled away into thinking? If that does happen, just come back. But are you able to see the moment that you make the decision to go into the thinking process rather than staying in the meditation process? <clears throat> And then begin to look for the hindrances uh, that may be present that are driving the mind to do that, the body-mind. Is there some craving there for something else, some aversion there for not wanting what is? Is the mind sleepy or is it agitated? Do you have some skeptical doubt about whether this will lead you anywhere? And then explore what you might do to uh, concentrate, really concentrate so that the mind is pure, without hindrance as you come back to the object of meditation. So, you're not directing your attention anywhere. You're just letting your attention be drawn to whatever is interesting. And you're knowing that that's where it's going. You're following in that sense. One of the insights of uh, the third uh, stage is the investigation of no-self. Self Self versus no-self if you can let your attention just be drawn to whatever is interesting not controlling, not owning, not doing, not causing, not selecting who is doing it? that's this insight that this uh, awareness, this combination of awareness and consciousness just happens, it just unfolds you don't have to do anything for that to happen so there is, in that sense, nobody in charge. So just letting your attention be drawn to wherever, wherever it's drawn, paying attention to that, noting it as uh, where it's gone, see, hear, or feel, soaking in to the sensing experience of that, and then generating in auditory thinking space the label see, hear, or feel, depending on where your attention is gone, if you're working in single arisings. If you're working with paired or all three arisings, a different pattern of labeling. did that go? Because we're short on time, I'll take that as splendidly. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. so it was just one of those hmm there's a couple of things one thing where I ended up going to the Eros uh-huh. it was like quite a nice Gustav-Climity kind of like thing <laughs> but then the second thing I thought of was you and you came into my mind and like that's totally appropriate yeah. <laughs> don't a lot that <laughs> but the other thing that happened was the, Do- <laughs> the Doppler effect uh-huh. like Sort of ceased to like actually have any real meaning. like at the beginning you hear like the sound of the car there versus 100 metres down the road in a different frequency. But then after a while it's like, well, it's just the way the sound is coming at you from here right now, which mm-hmm. is it might be caused by the car being further down the road, but it's really just the sound of it, not mm-hmm. the spatial, not the visual, just it's kind of a discombobulating, just feeling it purely as a sound experience, mm-hmm. irrespective of was the condition for it. Mm-hmm. It's time kind to. Of cool. Good. But thanks to the AOS. <laughs> <laughs> I, one to, I once said to uh, Shinzen on retreat, um, so Shinzen, how many times do you think you can rape and murder everyone on earth? To give you a sense of where my mind goes. And uh, he thought about it for a minute. he said, you know, I don't think there's a limit. <laughs> Anyone else? Did you have a sense of self or no self in that just wandering, the watching the mind go? That's really the way into that. Who's in charge, really? It's an interesting exploration you can then add on to that the in- impermanent nature of, of everything because nothing then lasts and you see, see into that and then you can see the grasping around wanting things to be that comes out of following that as well only in the moments that um, I would come back into mm-hmm. awareness but I don't think there was ever a time where um, I was on the train of thinking mm-hmm. that I was aware of oh, that, that, yeah. That's yeah, okay. Yeah. So you, were you, when you came back, able to come back to the moment when you took off into thought? Yes. Was I was I able to come back to the moment before? To to, to to then reverse engineer when it was that you took off into thought? What was arising in the moment and what was the hindrance? Ah. Uh, that was no there. I don't I, I, I don't it never occurs to me to uh, to question that okay what had, to question what happened is, is that what you're saying mm mm-hmm. mhm okay. what was the moment when you decided oh I'm going to leave the meditation and go into the right. content right that's one that's a good investigation to do because we we actually make the choice yeah and then we're sucked in and then of course we forget that we've made the choice right Good. Um, we're a little over in time tonight. Not, not that we have to rush or anything, but um, I don't want to keep anybody who's planned um, on a certain amount of time. But I did also want to encourage you to consider going on retreat since this is deepening your practice and that's one way to do it. I'm leading a retreat at La Casa de Maria, which is starting on the 26th of December and going to the 6th of January. You can come for all 11 nights. You could come for the first six or the second five. It's a metta-vipassana retreat, so we'll do five days of metta and then go into vipassana. It's a really great way to practice if you haven't done that before. You just come into this very kind, loving place with yourself, and then you can spring into vipassana. If you've been on vipassana retreats before, and it's been a kind of rough experience exploring uh, your inner workings, the metta-vipassana approach tends to really smooth that out that you come from this really kind place of yourself when you go into the investigation. So a lot of the the difficulty that uh, some of us have with our inner workings doesn't tend to happen in the same way. Um, There's flyers up there. You'd have to go to the website to register, but there are a few places left if you wanted to do it. Um, I'm also an ardent supporter of meditation centers. Um, (laughs) The meditation path can be difficult as you go through the process of these investigations and it's useful to have people who support you in your practice. What better place to meet them than in a meditation center? Have you ever tried to talk to somebody about your meditation experiences if they don't practice? They're usually likely to say, why are you doing that? <laughs> Rather than support you. So... <clears throat> I know that we've been here for a long time and that you may think that we're always going to be here, but I can assure you that the finances of a meditation center are always precarious and that we really do rely on your acts of generosity each time you come. The suggested donation here is $15. Um, you should be giving at a, a level that has meaning because this is your personal practice of generosity. If you're really well resourced and $15 doesn't mean much to you, then give it a level that does. If $15 is a good level, give at that level. If $15 is too much, give at the level that you can do. And if you're not resourced, please really understand that we as a community are very happy to support this place so that you can come and practice. If you'd also be so kind as to put the chairs back and the cushions away, that's also appreciated and we'll see you next time. Thank you.